Hello, this is Garrett Ashley Mullet, host of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM, and also chief editor and writer at On the Rocks blog since 2015. I have just published my first book. It is available on paperback and Kindle from Amazon.com right now. Are you thinking about homeschooling? Is someone you know considering it? No shortage of books will help you figure out how to do it. This is a book about why you should. Written from the perspective of a homeschooling father of seven who was himself homeschooled growing up, this is an encouragement to fathers and mothers to think rightly about their children's education. What our children believe about God, themselves, one another, and the universe, these are all features of their education, and the worldview our children develop is downstream of the sort of education they receive. And this is why we homeschool. Maybe you are a parent of homeschooling children and you could use some encouragement. Perhaps your local school shut down and now remote learning or homeschooling has been forced on you. Now you could use some help finding motivation to make the best of it. Or maybe you have a friend or family member considering homeschooling their children. Rather than starting you off with another home education how-to, let us start with why we homeschool. And as we figure out the reasons we should do this thing, the way to do it will be made far easier. Just go right on over to Amazon.com and type in, and this is why we homeschool in the search results. It'll come right up. Order your copy today. You're listening to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Another episode is here before you now, and I am bringing it to you live from Greeley, Colorado. When I say live, I don't mean that this is live when you're listening to it, but I'm alive when I'm recording it. So there. Thank you very much. Uh, This is episode 75 and also January 20th, 2021. Today is a day that will live in infamy. The 46th president of the United States of America was sworn in, Joseph R. Biden, and also Kamala Harris was sworn in as vice president of the United States of America. Trump, President Trump, President Donald J. Trump left office, and we have a new sheriff in town. So how about that? If you are like me in any respect, today was just a sad day. It was kind of a glum day. It was kind of a day for being pensive and introspective and thinking and feeling a little bit of anxiety and trying not to feel anxiety. As a Christian, I don't believe that I should be anxious on a day like today, but that doesn't mean that I'm not anxious on a day like today. I don't want to be anxious, but I am struggling with that. And so you can pray for me. I work in oil and gas and I have since 2012. That has been my day job, my nine through five, Monday through Friday day job, the thing that allows me to bring home the bacon and take care of my family. And the incoming administration, which is here now, they're not incoming, they're arrived, are not planning on being especially friendly to my industry. They are planning on outright hostility. I am a gun owner, and the incoming administration 
has announced that they are going to declare war on the National Rifle Association. I don't necessarily have any great love for the NRA, but if they are some of the good guys, in theory, trying to defend our civil liberties where the right to bear arms and to keep them are concerned, it is concerning that Biden is declaring war on them. He plans to try and destroy them. So what does that pretend for my gun ownership? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do. We'll see what they get away with. We'll see what kind of a response there is, both in oil and gas and in firearms ownership. I'm a homeschooling dad also, and the incoming administration has stated that they are going to be very unfriendly toward charter schools. So how much more so the matters pertaining to home education? I am a homeschooling father of seven. I was homeschooled myself growing up. So what do they plan to do to my family's ability to exercise our God-giving, not only right, but responsibility to train up these children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The Democrats do not believe in religious liberty the way that conservatives do. They are opposed to Christians, for instance, especially, for example, saying that certain behaviors which have become commonplace, which have been uh, paraded through our streets and on our television screens, our computer screens, our phone screens as normal, healthy, sane, laudable, even morally superior to traditional ways of living and relating to our romantic interests, that Christians should not be allowed to discriminate. And what that means is that you should not be able to behave or speak as though there is any meaningful distinction between somebody who is a biological male and says they're a female, somebody who is a woman who wants to marry another woman, and increasingly, concerningly, towards somebody who's attracted to a child, and they are just born that way. They are a pedophile. And what's really the difference if we just add another letter to the LGBTQ alphabet soup? Let's have P for pedophile. What does that pretend for me as a father of seven that the incoming administration represents the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party has been so unfriendly toward religious observance, toward church services, meeting in person, has been cracked down on on uh, a large scale across this country in all of the places where Democrats run the board, where they have the governorship, and if they hold the mayorship, if they are in charge of, of the city, of the county, of the state. They have cracked down on in-person religious worship through the COVID nonsense. So what does that portend for me as a Christian who is getting ready as I speak, as I record this, I'm getting ready this evening to go and teach youth group. We're going to do the gospel primer this evening. I need to brush up on that. I've got a little outline, a little breakdown of uh, what we're going to be discussing with the kids tonight. But what does that pretend that Biden and Harris now are running the country? They're number one and number two, and that they're picking a lot of heads of departments, a lot of people that we did not vote for, and which they were very secretive about announcing the names of until after they felt confident that they had won the election, whether rightly or wrongly, 
whether legitimately or illegitimately, it was a very bad idea for Democrats to vote for Biden and Harris. It was a very bad idea for spineless Republicans to withdraw their support, like Uriah the Hittite being put on the front lines where the fighting is the fiercest, and David, who had slept with Uriah's wife and gotten her pregnant and wanted to cover for and hide his sin, had Uriah killed when he sent Uriah to the front of the line where the fighting was the fiercest and it instructed that everybody else, all of his brothers in arms, pull back so that he could be cut down by the enemy. That was murder. It was an assassination. And so also the spineless, egotistical, self-absorbed, self-impressed, self-righteous Republicans who don't know how to fight anything so well as persons in their own party who have some conviction and are getting stuff accomplished, those Republicans pulled their support back from Trump and indeed tried to level their own shred of a fighting spirit at Trump and his supporters for the past four years. We have those people to thank for the dark days ahead. But I don't want to dwell on that today, and I have been increasingly trying to wean myself from despair because it is not good for me as a Christian to despair. It is not good for me to put all my eggs in the basket of this country going the direction that I believe it should according to God's word and according to historical trends and according to good taste. It is not good for me to despair. It's not productive. And we did not put our trust in Trump if we voted for him as Christians, if we loved and served and trusted God. We put our trust in God, and as a means to the end of serving God faithfully, we wanted to be good stewards of the fact that we had a vote, and so we voted for Trump. If that is not what we did, if we put our trust in Trump, it was misplaced, and we have some soul-searching to do. We should not have done that. We should not, surely, have put our trust in the Republican Party. And I want to just announce right here, right now, that I am not a Republican, and I don't believe I have ever identified as a Republican. I don't know if that's news to everybody. I am a registered independent. I am not a Republican. I have never been a registered Republican. I have voted Republican, and I've never voted for a Democrat, and I don't intend to ever vote for a Democrat because of what their party stands for and the positions that their platform takes versus what the scriptures say. I don't plan to ever vote Democrat because I believe that their platform is antithetical, that it is opposite of what the scriptures tell us is good and right and true on so many issues, so many fundamental foundational issues that are going to impact me and my family and our ability to work, to live and move and have our being in a practical sense. But all of that said... I feel all the more happy and pleased for having never been a registered Republican, to my memory anyways. If I was and if I have, it was a lapse in judgment. It was a senior moment. It might have been narcolepsy where I was just sleepwalking. I was uh, not aware that I was doing it. But to my knowledge, to my memory, I am not a Republican. I never have been. I voted Republican because I felt that that was the best stewardship of my vote. 
And anybody listening who is of the Republican Party, who identifies as a staunch Republican, who works for the Republican Party, you can hear me now. I have no intention of voting for a party that stands for nothing, but is hypocritically pretending at virtue, meanwhile selling out at the first opportunity to the highest bidder to save its own skin. I have no intention of voting for that unless I have some reasonable expectation that people are going to act in good faith on sound principles, I don't see the point in supporting them. I have better things to do with my time, energy, attention, and affection than to invest it into people who are pretending at virtue and have no intentions of actually carrying out anything virtuous. Trump is rumored to be planning a new political party called the Patriot Party, possibly, maybe, sort of. We'll see. If he does that, I think that Republicans are going to have a very big problem on their hands. If he doesn't do that, Republicans are going to have a very big problem on their hands. And the reason for this is that a great many Americans who have strong convictions, who have strong, powerful ideas about what is good and what is true and what is right, what is wise, have voted for years for Republicans because in the absence of a better idea, that seemed the best way to advance their interests. We want to have a representative form of government. In theory, we're supposed to, unless this is all just a big show, unless it's all a big pageant and it's all a big hoax. It's like the Wizard of Oz hiding behind a curtain with this big glowing green smoke and lights and mirrors show. And you pull back the curtains and he's really just this confused old man who knows how to pull some levers. That might be the Republican Party. In fact, I think it is. That's my judgment, is that that is the Republican Party. And they pretend at virtue and they pretend they're being very pragmatic and thinking long term. But really what it comes down to is... They are working for themselves. They are about themselves. They are about the status quo so long as it profits them. If, if at some point they would have to sacrifice personally in order to advance real, genuine, meaningful change in a positive direction. And when I say positive direction, I mean going back to the foundational fundamental things which made this country good and great to begin with. They would not miss an opportunity to sell out their supposed principles in the interest of self-interest. Because their real principle, their real bottom line, what they are about conserving is their own well-being, their own bottom line, their own profit. So if that is the case, unless there is a good reason to believe that is not the case, I don't see myself voting down the party line. I don't see myself voting for a Mitt Romney or a John McCain-like Republican if that is who is put up there. I don't see myself enthusiastically supporting the Republicans moving forward. But I do see if there is a better idea, if there's a better party, I see myself and a whole lot of other conservative Americans that supported Trump, that voted for Trump, that still support Trump, that still think he should be 
the 45th president serving a second term right now as of today, I see a lot of people like me going somewhere else with their vote and their support in a jiffy if there's a viable alternative. Now, that said, what I'm not interested in is LARPing. And I said this with regards to the Capitol Hill riots as well. If you've got a lot of people that are trying to seize a government building as a way of getting a cool selfie, who else has a selfie in Nancy Pelosi's chair, who else but Buffalo Guy has uh, pictures standing uh, at the podium, presiding bare-chested with all of his tattoos and splendor and face paint over an empty Congress that was just chased out by the rabble. If that is your idea of hope and change, is that you're going to LARP, you're going to live-action role-play some pseudo-fake revolution that really doesn't accomplish anything except for shooting us all in the feet, then you can count me out. I will be right here podcasting. I will be writing. I'll be writing more books. I'll be raising my children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So help me God by God's grace with my wife. I'll be loving my wife. I'll be going to work. But I'm not going to join your stupid little game. I am not here to play games. I'm not here to mess around. I'm not here to virtue signal. I'm not here to pat everybody on the back for having their opinion that things were better once upon a time, but we have no practical idea of how to make things good again. The goal, by the way, is not to have 1776 happen again. If somebody is thinking that in their heads, that we're all going to wear powdered wigs and drink tea until we decide to throw it in the harbor the second time around, those days are gone. That ship has sailed. And I was interesting listening to a Gary DeMar podcast this morning. I'm sorry, no, not this morning, this afternoon in the interest of accuracy. You wouldn't have known the difference. Only God and the folks at the NSA probably know the difference. But I was listening this afternoon, so help me God, telling the truth. Uh, Gary DeMar had a podcast episode in which he was talking about craftsmen and carpenters and how when the temple was rebuilt after so many years, after Solomon's temple was destroyed and God's people were carried away into captivity, the the temple was rebuilt. The old people seeing the temple being rebuilt wept. And he points out that there was this mistaken notion, or he or his co-host, I don't remember which, they on the show, the show pointed out, it's a joint effort, I'm sure. Uh, They pointed out that these old people weeping because the new temple being built wasn't a match for the previous splendor from the days of Solomon. The temple of Solomon was much more beautiful, much more grand and opulent and impressive. They pointed out that we could have a similar attitude toward the days gone by of the 1950s. We could say, and I have a coworker who's very into collecting 1950s era, atomic era, American memorabilia, that the 1950s were the good old days and we should want to go back to the 1950s. I'm sorry, but the 1950s paved the way. They were the prologue for the 1960s. And something happened, something went wrong in the 1950s, clearly, or else we would not have had the 1960s go off the way that they did. That kind of rigid external conformity didn't produce the kind of internal righteousness that God requires. They were whitewashed tombs, I think, in ultimate cases. And that's why the first chance they got at liberation, so-called, 
they were off to the races, getting high as kites and having sex with anything that moved. That was not the good old days, really, if it led to the 1960s, I think. So we need to be considering, as always, what is it that we should be conserving if we're conservatives? If we think of ourselves traditionally as for limited, smaller government, why is that? If we think that men have certain inalienable rights and that included in this list of inalienable rights is the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Why do we believe that? Why is that important? All men are created equal and endowed with certain inalienable rights. That's a great sounding phrase. What reason do we have to believe it? And how much do we really believe it? And what are we prepared to do in an intentional, intelligent, strategic, coordinated way to ensure that government of the people, for the people, and by the people shall not perish from the earth. What are we prepared to do to abide by and to hold others accountable to the fact that we have certain inalienable rights? That's a fine question. And I want to hear other people answering this question in a genuine way, not getting in line behind me like this is the conga and we're going to just dance around in a circle to music and feel really good about ourselves. Not in, you know, a bandwagon of another sort. It's just a horse of a different color, sort of a way, red versus blue, left versus right. But what does God say about this? If our rights really are from God, and we are endowed with these certain inalienable rights by God, if Romans 13 has something to say about this, not just for the submission piece, but also for the idea that the minister of God vis-a-vis Romans 13 is charged with rewarding those who do good, punishing those who do evil. Is that the kind of thing that we want to, if not conserve, supposing it's gone now, is that something that we want to see a revival of? Well, I think that is a worthy goal. I think that is something to write home about. That is something to get excited about. That is something to invest in. And we need to find or else create afresh a meaningful effort that will accomplish that, at least in some measure. And it might not look like the glory days as the old people think of them, which I never saw. I'm too young to have seen the Temple of Solomon or the 1950s. My dad was born in 1951, so he was nine by the time that decade was over. But I didn't see that era. And if you're listening, and it looks like most of my audience is in the 30s to 40s year old range, you didn't see those days either. So what are we going to do? What are we going to compare our ambitions against How are we going to be Bereans about these things? I think we have to think outside the box here a little bit. We need to think bigger than Republican versus Democrat. Biden and Harris are going to do their darndest. AOC and the squad are going to do their darndest. Nancy Pelosi is going to do whatever she's given a script to say she's doing. Uh, And she's going to eat ice cream out of her $20,000 refrigerator. The Democrats are going to be Democrats, but what are we going to do? If we bury our heads in the sand and say, I'm turning off the news, I'm not watching this, I'm not 
going to read anything meaningful. I'm not going to learn anything. I'm not going to try anymore. I'm just going to give up. I'm going to stop working hard. What's the point? I'm probably going to lose my job anyways. I'm going to stop going to church. I'm probably going to lose my religious liberty anyways. I'm going to stop loving my wife and my children because what's the point, right? Like there's no future. Let's all give up. No, a pox on that. We have to have a fighting spirit. And I talked in my last podcast episode about this book by Michael Walsh, Last Stands, which I still intend to get. It's only been a couple of days and I'm making progress through other books along the way before I get into last stands. But we have to have that fighting spirit. We have to know what we're fighting, as in who is our adversary, who is our enemy. We have to know how to fight, and we have to know why we're fighting. Why is this worth expending ourselves to accomplish a victory? Why is this worth the effort. Why even try? Well, you know what? Rather than asking why even try and then assume that to be a rhetorical question, which has no satisfying answer, we need to really dust off our britches and wipe our eyes and put on our big boy pants and figure out an answer. And we need to be diligent about it. We need to be prayerful about it. We need to present that whole kit and caboodle to the Lord and ask, what does this look like? How can I be a craftsman? How can I be a carpenter? How can I be skillful in my labors in a way that does aid to the war effort, spiritually speaking? I really do believe this is a spiritual war. And I don't mean that we should be so spiritually minded that we're of no earthly good, so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. Because if you are heavenly minded, if you are spiritually minded, you're going to listen to what James says about show me your faith without works, I'll show you my faith by my works. If you really believe these things are true, that you're saying are true, if you really believe in God, even the demons believe and shudder. What are you doing? Have you sought to take hold of them and to be embodying them in a meaningful way? Well, I think one of the things we ought to be doing is we ought to be in church. If we're not in church already, we need to get in church and not just attend, not passively sit in a chair or in a pew, because again, even the demons believe and shudder. We need to get engaged, get some skin in the game, right? Maybe your muscles have atrophied and you don't know how to be productive. Well, guess what? If you're fatty fatso who has an 800 pound life, you're never going to lose weight by continuing to sit there and bemoan the fact that you have been overeating and under-exercising all these years, right? You've got to get up and start somewhere. If you can't do a push-up, start now, right? Do granny push-ups, do push-ups on the stairs, do something, start. Start building that strength, right? You don't know how to serve in church, how to get some skin in the game there. Go and just start trying things and asking, how can I serve? Reporting for duty and figure it out and build those muscles up and don't let them atrophy again. Get productive get engaged. If you're unmarried, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider if God has a spouse for you. And if he does, ask him to arrange the appointment. He did it for Adam and there wasn't, literally wasn't a woman in the world when God looked at Adam and saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. So ask the Lord, hey, you know what? If you have to make one out of a rib, can you please send me a help meet suitable for me? If you're already married, figure out a way to invest in your marriage to where it is strong. Build that house on 
the rock, like a wise man who listens to the words of Jesus and lives according to them. Build your house on a rock so that when the storm comes, when the winds come and the rain comes, it doesn't topple. Build a strong house and live in it for your marriage. If you haven't had children, have some kids. If God blesses you with kids, if you're able to have kids, some people aren't, and that's okay. And we trust God that he has a purpose for when we don't have children. Abram and Sarai were advanced in age. It was no longer the way of women for Sarah anymore. And that's why she laughed when it was told to her and her husband that she was going to have a child. She was going to get pregnant. She was going to conceive, have a son. She laughed. And yet, if God wants you to have children, then by all means, faithfully execute, be a good steward of the fact that you are able to have children and have some children and raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, because we've got to think long-term here. How can we leave a godly legacy for generations to come? How can we impact this world, not just during our lifetime, but for generations to come for God's glory? How do we do that? What was God's purpose for marriage? to produce godly offspring. So have some kids, if you can, God willing, have some kids and raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And if you have not yet done so, if you are married and going to church and you have some kids and they're still going to public schools, for God's sakes and your children's, pull them out and homeschool them. And if you don't know how to do that, figure it out. Buy my book, by the way, and this is why we homeschool, available on paperback and Kindle from Amazon.com. Order a copy today. $14.92 is all it'll cost you for the paperback. And $7.99 is the Kindle cost, unless you have Kindle Unlimited, in which case you can listen to it, read it rather, for free. I am still planning on a end of Q1 2021 release for my audiobook. And then you'll be able to listen to it as well if that's your cup of tea if you prefer that. But buy my book. And if you know other people, right? If you know other people that are considering marriage, they're trying to get uh, a godly spouse, help them. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof's Yenta should be your inspiration. Start making some arrangements to help them not be alone. It's God's work, right? Uh, if they have kids, help them. Help them with their children. Encourage them, right? Parenting is hard. Raising kids is hard. Try to encourage them. Build them up. If they're trying to figure out homeschooling and you know a thing or two about that, or if you want to buy them a copy of my book, just saying, uh, help them, right? That's the kind of way that I think we should be conserving. And don't even call it conserving if you don't want to. Just say, that is how we're going to make America great again. If America was once upon a time, great. And maybe just maybe the goal shouldn't be to make America great again. Maybe the goal should be good stewardship. Let's be good stewards so that we are making much of God and so that we are seeking the welfare of the city to which God has brought us in our exile, as Jeremiah 29, 7 says. Maybe that's what we ought to be about. And if a political party can help us to be a good steward of our vote and of our uh, opportunity to seek the welfare of the city and to pray for the welfare of the city, for in its welfare we will find our welfare, then great, let's figure out how to do that in a way that honors God, in a way that testifies to the truth, in a way that helps 
the governing authorities to abide by Romans 13, rewarding those who do good, punishing those who do evil. In the meantime, we might have some tough years ahead. We might have a difficult road to hoe, but we trust in God. We don't trust in men who can be dishonest and unscrupulous. We don't even trust in ourselves. We trust in God. So by God's grace, we will endure. We will overcome. Even if we suffer for doing righteous deeds, then so be it. We can take joy in being in good company. And if we endure and if we win the prize and if there is a reward for that and God is pleased with that, then all the better. That is the goal. So don't give up. Don't despair. Don't lose heart. Don't give up the fighting spirit if you have it in any regard, any measure just yet. If you don't have it, wait on the Lord and ask the Lord for strength. Trust in the Lord. The fear of man lays a snare, but those who trust in God, those who trust in Yahweh, will be safe. That's all I got for you today. Hope you listened and were encouraged by listening. And until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger, weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com.